We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. It's Christmas morning. My roommates and I have gathered around the Christmas tree in our small two-bedroom apartment, and we're getting ready to open the gifts that our family members have sent us. All of us are far away from our families, and we have been collecting presents over the last couple of weeks as they've been coming in through the mail and putting them under the Christmas tree so that we would have something to open on Christmas morning. We're having fun opening up the presents, looking at the things that have been sent to us and laughing and and having a wonderful Christmas morning when it comes to my turn to open up the present that my mother had sent. And all of a sudden, this smell starts to come from the box. It smells like sweet, rotten fruit. It smells so bad. And I realize that what has happened is that the orange that my mother had put in the bottom of my stocking had started to go bad. In our family growing up, one of the traditions that we had was that we had to open up our stocking before we could go into the room where the Christmas tree was and all the presents were under the tree. And in the stocking, there was always a fruit of some kind, an orange or a banana or an apple, and it was way down at the bottom of the toe of the sock. And so we'd have to pull out all the goodies and candies and different things that were in the sock to find out what Santa had brought us, and then we would pull out the fruit. And the rule was we had to eat the fruit before we could go into the room where the Christmas tree was and then open the presents. That was part of the tradition. That was part of the fun. Well, I had already started opening the presents. I didn't know that my mother had sent me a sock, and so I didn't follow that tradition at all. But I found the sock at the bottom of the box of presents that she had sent me. I can just smell the mold and the juices and the horrible rotting. I I can just feel it as it's starting to seep through the sock. And so I got out the parts of the stuff that I could get out from the sock and then I threw it away. I didn't want to have to touch all that rotting stuff. I just threw it away. Later on that night, we... We were able to talk to our parents about our presents and just Christmas and and talk to them about how things were going. And it was really a wonderful time to be able to talk to our parents. And in the process of me talking to my mother, she asked me if I got the $100 in her package. And I said, I didn't know that there was $100. I I didn't see $100. And she said, oh, well, it was at the bottom of the stocking. And I thought... Oh, it was at the bottom of the stocking with the rotten orange. No, I didn't. I did not. No, I didn't get the money. I didn't want to reach through the sock and get it. So I said, oh, I, don't, I didn't see that. I am 
so sorry, I'm going to have to go back and see if I can find it. So after I hung up the phone, I went to the garbage can to get the sock and realized that one of my roommates had taken the garbage out to the dumpster in the back because the smell was pretty bad. And so I thought to myself, oh, well, I guess that $100 was gone. And I felt so bad about the $100, not because of the $100. I mean, that would have been nice to have, but because I knew that my mom was a school teacher who didn't make a ton of money, and the gift of $100 was a sacrifice. That was such a sweet gift that she was willing to offer, and I, I especially knew that that was hard for her because of her own financial situation. And so I felt really bad. And I happened to mention it to my roommate, Jeff Ambrose. And he said, well, let's go see if we can find it. And I I told him, I don't think that we're going to be able to find it. It's in the trash. And it's Christmas Day. So everybody else has thrown all their trash in there, all the presents and boxes and everything from this apartment complex that we're living in, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be able to find it. And he said, let's go find it. Let's go see what we can do. And I, I said, okay. So we went out to the trash bin and we started just kind of gently moving some boxes around and just seeing if we could find our trash. And then he jumped in to the garbage can. He jumped in to the garbage can and started moving things around and he continued to find it and I said Jeff really it's not that big a deal you don't need to do that for me it's it's fine like well it's just money it's not that big a deal it's fine and he said no I'm gonna find this for you I know that this is important for you I know that your mom really wants you to have this money and so he continued to dig and he continued to dig and the smell of the orange was kind of guiding his ability to find the sock. But he, he did. He was digging through all of the, the junk and the trash and getting dirty himself until he found the sock and he stood up in the garbage can and he held up his hand and he's like, I got it. And he gave it to me and we squeezed out the moldy orange and I was able to find the $100 and I was so grateful. As I think about Christmas memories and I think about the experiences that I've had, that is probably one of the most meaningful Christmases that I've ever had. Not because of the $100, but because a friend was willing to sacrifice, and two people, my mom and my friend, were willing to sacrifice for me to make sure that I had a good Christmas. And their willingness to do that has inspired me and blessed me in my life. It's something that I ponder and think about throughout the year, but especially at this holiday season. And so, at first, I just want to tell Jeff, thank you. I don't even know if you remember doing that for me. But thank you for your example and your selfless act of being willing to jump into a garbage can for me. And second, I share that story because it is a great lean-in to the question of the week. And here is the question. I'm wanting to work more on being less selfish more selfless so wouldn't 
focusing on self-love make me more selfish? That is a beautiful question. It is a question that I've asked myself many, many, many times. And you know, it is not a black and white answer to answer that. James Farrell in his book, Falling to Heaven, mentions early on that in the Bible, never once is it mentioned that Jesus loves himself. And this isn't meant to be a Bible discussion. The point is that Jesus teaches in his teachings that we need to love God and that we need to love others as ourselves. But never once does it ever mention how Jesus loved himself. It never mentions it. And James finds that to be curious, and in his interpretation is that it maybe is not that important to love ourselves. But I, I disagree on one side of the coin. And on the other hand, I totally know where he's coming from. When we look at the commandment that Jesus said, you have to love others as yourself, that, that part can be broken into two pieces. For those who really love themselves a lot and think that they are amazing and they have very little humility, that commandment can be, you need to love other people as much as you love yourself. If you have that much love for yourself, you need to be able to make sure that you're also loving others that same amount. And there are people in this world who definitely behave in very selfish ways. Conversely, though, there are a lot of people in this world that struggle with shame and struggle with the opposite message, which is that I'm not enough, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm not worthy of love and belonging. And I would propose that both of those circumstances, the one who is struggling with arrogance and the other who is struggling with feeling inadequate. It's actually two sides of the same coin. And what's really going on with both sides of the spectrum is that the person isn't actually recognizing their worth in relation to the worth of other people. So those who are struggling with their own sense of inadequacy, it's not uncommon for them to tell me things like, I know that other people matter. I know that other people have value. I just can't see that for myself. And so we need to be able to work through some of the stories that they're telling themselves when they're struggling with that. On the flip side, there are those who are struggling with a lack of humility, and they believe that their worth is more than other people's. And that gives them permission to treat other people like objects. It gives them permission to treat other people as less than because of their own view that they are better than. But I would propose that that is also shame-based. Shame disconnects us from other people. It is a sense that I am apart from, that I am not equal to, that I don't have the same value as someone else. And so it's this interesting perspective that I think takes place. And both sides can be destructive. Both sides can cause harm. As I think about what James said in his book about Jesus not really mentioning that he loved himself, what I really am coming to understand is that Jesus knew who he was. He was able to connect with his own identity, and he didn't worry about what other people thought. He didn't care about the, the negative comments and the hate and discontent that people were sharing or speaking towards him or inflicting on him. He didn't 
he didn't connect with any of that because he knew who he was. He was very much in tune with his own identity. And because of that, he recognized his worth. And at the same time, he knew who everybody else was as well. He recognized everybody else's worth. And so there wasn't a mention of self-love because it wasn't necessary because he already knew. He already connected with his value and he connected with everybody else's value, which allowed him to be the compassionate being that he was. The same with Mr. Rogers, Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi. These were individuals who had been able to connect with who they were. Yes, I'm sure that they had struggles and internal turmoil. I'm sure that we don't know the shadowy sides of their lives, that they were not perfect. They had to work on things. But they recognized who they were and the talents and gifts that they were able to have. And because of that, they weren't really that worried about themselves anymore. Each one of them, though, took time to do self-care. Each one of them took time out of their day to do things to be able to rejuvenate themselves. And to me, that is an act of self-love. To me, that is an act of self-compassion. When we talk about self-love, it's not what can I do to make me feel better than everybody else. What we're talking about when we talk about self-love is what can I do to care for myself to make sure that the value and the gifts and the talents that I have can be optimized at their optimal level to be able to bless the lives of those around me. A friend of mine recently ran an Ironman, and he prepared for this race for over a year. He spent hours every day running, biking, and swimming in order to be successful and to complete the race. This was a lifelong goal for him. This was a bucket list item. And so every day he was spending hours preparing to run this race. In the process of doing so, he often was not able to be as present at home to deal with the things that needed to be taken care of at home. And luckily his wife was very supportive and his children were supportive. But he often wrestled with this dichotomy of how do I be home and try to be a good dad and, and a good husband and be there for my family and continue to pursue this dream that I had, this dream of being able to complete the race. And he had to figure it out. He had to figure out what that would be like for him. And trying to answer the question, am I being selfish because I'm pursuing this goal? And trying to find a balance to all of that. That's part of the journey that he had to discover. At the very end of his race, as he was getting, he was just seconds away from the finish line, another person in front of him tripped and fell down, and it was caught on camera. My friend didn't notice that the man had fallen down. He was just running and crossed the line and was celebrating. It wasn't until afterwards that he went back and viewed the video of the race that he saw that the other man had fallen down, and there was a sense of feeling bad that he didn't notice that he didn't even recognize that this man had fallen down. Looking at it, it would be easy to jump into a judgment and say, I mean, dude, didn't you see him? He fell right in front of you. It could have been really easy to go to a judgmental perspective. But it made sense that my friend had spent over a year preparing for this Ironman race and didn't notice that because he was so focused on the finish line. 
Since then, he asks the question, am I being selfish? And he's wrestling with this selfishness versus self-care question that we are taking a look at today. I think that part of working through selfishness is improving our self-awareness to be able to notice the suffering of people that are around us, noticing the struggles of people around us, and then connecting with our own sense of worth and our own sense of value and asking ourselves the question, is there anything that I could do to help this person? Is there anything that I could do to make this person's life a little better today? A little happier today? Is there anything that I could do for that? And then what is required for me to be able to help someone else is that I have to be able to have something that I can give. And to me, that's where the self-care part comes into play. Oftentimes, if there's a, an opportunity to maybe bless someone financially, you see that someone's struggling and you want to help, but you don't have the funds in your own bank account to be able to help that other person, that is a struggle. Because you don't have the ability because there's not enough in your bank to be able to help give to someone else. And that is the principle, really, of self-love and self-compassion. I want to be able to have enough in my bank that I can share what I have with someone else. I will be in a much better position to be able to provide support and comfort and guidance to someone else if I am also feeling that love and belonging. The irony is that when I do service for someone else, that actually can be a way to improve the sense of love and belonging that I have in my heart, to know that I have value because I see the smile on someone else's face when I provide some kind of act of kindness or service to someone else. I see that. And so it's this very strange dichotomy. If I solely am focused on myself and my own love and belonging, I'm probably not going to feel that love and belonging tank very much. But if I connect that I'm worthy of having that love and belonging tank filled, and then I do some self-care things like dailies, taking care of my physical health, mental health, spiritual health, those things, I am providing a platform for those needs and belonging to be able to be met. But then I, I leave the house and I look at, okay, I'm grounded now. What can I do to help somebody else? and I bless someone else's life, the amazing thing is that blessing comes back to me every time. It strengthens me and helps me feel even better about myself. And so then I want to do more to help other people. And the same thing is happening to others. They're reaching out and trying to help me. They feel better about themselves, so they want to do more. And it becomes this almost this snowball of love that can really grow and grow, and we can make a huge difference in the lives of other people. So we're not really focusing on ourselves, but we are doing what we can to provide the grounded environment to provide the self-care for ourselves so that we can love others. I end with a story. It's another one of my fond memories as a child. I don't remember very many of the presents I got as a child. What I do remember are the opportunities that we had to serve. I'm six or seven years old. I'm wearing moon boots and the snow is up to my knees. My brother and I and my sister are hiding behind some evergreen bushes next to the neighbor's house. We have just left a plate of cookies on her doorstep and rang the doorbell and then ran away. My dad and mom are hiding in the car across the street. They turned the lights out and they've sunk low behind the window so that she will not see them. And she opens the door and she yells, 
Thank you. Thank you so much for the treats. Oh, you are so wonderful. I love you. I don't know who you are, but thank you. Thank you so much. And then I yelled, You're welcome. We waited until she got back into the house, and then we ran over to the car. Oh, my dad was so mad. Get into the car right now, he said. He was so mad that maybe we had spoiled the surprise and, and let her figure out who we were. It's one of the fondest memories that I have of Christmas and being able to do something nice for someone else. It was a tradition that we did every year as a family, making treats and going to neighbors' houses, ringing the doorbell and running away, being the little elves, the little pixies, leaving treats for someone else. In that moment, as a child, I wasn't worried or wondering what I was going to get for Christmas, what was going to be in my stocking or under the Christmas tree. I really was just doing something to show love and joy to someone else. And it was so rewarding to hear her yell, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I often wonder about the impact that we have in people's lives where we don't know. We don't understand the impact that we've had to bless someone's life. They didn't have the opportunity to say thank you. And more importantly, how much of an impact have people had in your life? What kind things have people done that have made a difference for you and helped you remember and feel love? Maybe particularly on a time when you were feeling down or lonely or depressed. So think for a moment about who has shown up for you and blessed you in your life and did things to help you remember that you mattered. And then ask yourself, how can I return the favor? How can I pay it forward? You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you loved the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to TroyLLove.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a 5-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.